0: My ladies, and everybody else here not sitting on a cushion! Well, we have a rather curious subject this morning. To study our heritage from the past is not simply a waste of time, because most of that heritage is still with us.
1: I think it's it's important to live life with a knowledge of its mystery and of your own mystery, and it gives life a, a new
0: a new balance, a new harmony to do this. The human story is much more complicated and much more mysterious than we've been taught. We need to wake up as a human species. We need to become our own leaders. This
1: is, the, in my view, the next step forward. When people find out what it is that's ticking in them, they get straightened out.
0: We can win the fight, but we can win a little every day. And every day when we make the smallest victory, there will be a little more of happiness and a little less of pain. Every day, one step forward, even a small decision, will strengthen us for another one tomorrow. And gradually, these right decisions will bring us enlightenment and companionship in the spiritual adventure of existence.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome to Wayfinder. It's Adam. Remember me? It's so good to be back. I'm not sure what I'm back doing. I'm just sitting in front of a microphone again, talking to myself, hoping that somebody's going to get something out of this. But the point is, I'm back. We're back. We're back in business. Uh, It's been a minute, y'all. It's been, damn, dude, it's been, it's coming up on like three years in December since we've
0: done a podcast. Can you believe that? That's fucking bananas, man. Absolutely bananas.
1: It's been a a long time, and and there's been a lot that has gone on, and so many of you guys have been amazing. You've reached out and been like, dude, when are you guys cranking up the podcast again? What's the scoop? And I keep lying to people, telling them, (laughs) we're about to do it right now. It's about to happen any day. But that's not true. It wasn't any day. I mean, it was any day. It just wasn't any time soon. It's all relative. Time's not real, right? But we're back. That's the point now. Um, God, so much has gone on, and it's not really necessary for us to get into all the catching up that comes with two and a half years apart. I reckon you guys don't really give a shit all that much anyway. You're just looking for something to listen to on the treadmill or while you take a dump or a long drive. Or whatever it is that you do while you're listening to podcasts. But if you're listening, I really appreciate, I, I appreciate it very much. Thank you for listening. Um, this is the Wayfinder Podcast. I'm Adam Nix. And um, I'm super stoked to be having these conversations with you. We've got quite a few podcasts lined up. About 30 of them lined out already. And this one, honestly, I wanted to drop this one uh, record this one a, a few months ago, but uh, I've been traveling a lot. I travel now. I sold. I had a little farm up in in the Dallas area in Texas. You guys, some of you guys know that. Um, and I sold that uh, last May in 2022 and bought a a travel trailer, like a fifth wheel camper. And so now I just I just go cruising around, doing things, meeting people, having connections, making experiences happen living life a little differently, doing
0: the nomadic thing. Just tons of fun. Nothing but fun. That's not true. There's also things that are not fun. But there's always things that are not fun, but we do them anyway because we're grown-ups, right? I'm also drinking out of a water bottle. I apologize. I'll, I'll do my best.
1: So yeah, I, I wanted to do this podcast a few months back earlier this year, and uh, I had a lady friend that was going to co-host this with me because she has some great insights on on the subject matter, uh, which we'll get into in a minute, and I felt like having um, a good, balanced, insightful, intelligent, feminine perspective on this particular episode would have been really cool, but we just can't make our schedules work and um man, I just had the calling it. And it was this episode that I wanted to come back with. It was really important to me for whatever reasons internally, just had some subconscious thing telling me this is, this is the one, you know, you guys, you guys know, if you've listened to the podcast, if you listen to other episodes and been following for years or whatever, that, you know, we've always been kind of all, all over the place with the topics that we cover you know, whether it was spirituality or parenting or esoteric or occult philosophy or mental
0: health or psychedelics or, you know, hidden history, ancient history stuff. What else? I don't
1: know. Conspiracies, obviously. All all kinds of things. We're all over the place. So when people would ask JC or myself what what the podcast is about, we're like, man, I, I don't know. And I used to feel really bad about that. And then like my buddy Drew, he's got this band called Satsung. And we were hanging out one time and I think we were at like guitar center or something. And and somebody asked him, they go, Oh, you have a band? Like what what kind of music do you play? <laughs> and he was just as confused as me. I'm like, Yeah, man, I don't know either. I I don't know what to peop- I don't know what to tell people that you play. It's fucking it's good music, happy music, feel good music. So yeah, the the topics of our show are all over the place, and I'm I don't really, you know, I'm sort of you know I have my own anchor, you know, uh, my my own sort of center, but it's really always just been about whatever topics were important to me and what I felt like the universe was sticking in my path to talk about at a given time, you know, and so I'm pretty happy with the the library of episodes we have. Um, we've got like 50 now. If you go on YouTube, there's only about 25 or so. I can't remember 30. We stopped doing video after a while. It's just too much work, too much data transfer and all the bullshit. I like the audio thing. It's easy enough. It's organic. I don't got to fuck with everything else. Not to mention now that we're we're out of the studio and we've gone remote with my businesses and stuff, It's it's having a... A studio with a, all the nice aesthetic setup and everything that we used to have like this just wasn't possible anymore if i want to do video i want to do it right so we'll just do the audio um spotify also took down all of our podcasts with no reasoning so don't know what to tell you about that um that happened back in the summer of 2021
0: it's been about two years ago so whatever Fuck Spotify, anyway. No, I'm just kidding.
1: They're, they're fine. I I don't know why they did that though. I think um it was during the COVID thing, and I, I I don't know. Who knows. So anyway, I wanted to do this this podcast for a long time, and it's been important to me um because of the subject matter, and it's a it's a hot topic, and the, the person we're going to talk about is obviously a very um famous or no- notorious person, I guess, depending on you know, which angle you're coming from. And uh, I think that, that the situation around him and, and, and everything that he branches into with his influence and the controversy around him and, and all of that, I think that it's really important. And it's a prevalent thing in society. It's a really important thing that's happening right now in the modern world with, with masculinity and with influencers in that space. You know the role of men in society, the view of men in society, the role and view of men in the household. Right? Kind of an interesting time. Things are different than they ever really have been in history when it comes to that stuff. So it's a really important episode, and I'm, I'm I'm glad that you guys tuned in, and hopefully you'll you'll love it, and you'll get something from it, and you'll share it with somebody. And they're gonna love
0: it and get something from it too. So we'll kick it off. All right. Toxic masculinity and Andrew Tate. Let's go. So
1: I discovered Andrew Tate last summer, and we'll get into who he is in in just a minute. If you don't know who Andrew Tate is, we'll get into that. Uh, But I discovered him last summer, and it's interesting. I'm not too proud to share this. You guys know I'm an open book. <laughs> I've I, I put my dirty laundry out there all fucking day. But I was, in, I was in a dark place last summer. I was going through a really hard time, b- bad relationship breakup that took a really long time. It's <laughs> a really messy situation. And, um, and I was just in a bad spot, you know, and I was, I was struggling with this new company that I had started to, to, to get things the way that I wanted them. and. Uh, you know, all these life changes in my life, selling my farm, moving away from my family in North Texas and being out on the road by myself. Um, yeah, it was just it was just a really yucky spot. And I, I came across this guy on Instagram called Andrew Tate. And his energy was interesting to me. And the things that he was saying in the video clip that I saw were 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 good, were solid. And one of the things that he, he was talking about, he said, he said that I'm, he said, I'm God's chosen favorite, and I don't believe in anything that takes my power away. And I thought that was interesting. And there was something powerful in that little piece of his message that had a really profound impact on my state of mind at that time, which, which frankly was pretty bleak and hopeless. And and powerless and worthless and everything else, and there was just something in that, and maybe it's that I didn't have anything else to grab for strength, and that was the thing that the universe threw me. But all I can tell you is that that little connection um, might have saved my life. It definitely changed my life. It definitely had a huge impact on my life, for sure. And I, I could, I could, I could pinpoint me the gears shifting in my life uh, when I heard those words, when I heard, I I saw this guy, you know, this big tough kickboxer guy walking around with some Bugattis and he's just playfully exclaiming to the world. He's like, I am God's chosen favorite. And I don't believe anything that takes my power. And so I started carrying that around. I'm just like, man, I don't believe anything that takes my power because really my, my state of depression or whatever you want to call it that I gotten into was I think, like a lot of people, it was just these repetitive cycles of negative thought. You know, stories in particular—stories about myself, about my relationship, about my self-worth, about my potential, about you know my life's work, about everything that I've accomplished, and you know what it meant. And so, all when you get into a depressive spiral, you know, there's you, you get into this negative, low vibrational thought space, and it's like the only thoughts that enter your mind are negative thoughts. Like you're just, it's just supporting this, this narrative of negativity. And there was something about the energy of this guy that I was like, oh, that's a whole different energy. And there was something about his energy and, and these radical claims that, that connected with me.
0: So then after that, I, I saw some more videos and I, I heard some things about him that concerned me.
1: And then I started to notice like, well, this dude's energy is kind of he's kind of aggressive. He's kind of he's kind of um, you know, boastful or boisterous or whatever you want to call it. And and I don't particularly love some of the, the clips that I've heard. You know, I've heard him say some things that I'm not, I'm not real keen on. And so I kept digging. And I soon realized or discovered that he was super famous. Andrew Tate, most Googled man in the world in 2022. Super famous, especially amongst young men, teenagers, twenties, somethings whatever. I'll be 39 next month, by the way. Um, but I've got two teenage boys, 13 and 17, which is super relevant to the fact that I even give a shit about Andrew Tate, probably. So I heard some things that concerned me and I I realized how famous this guy was. And so I talked to my boys like I do anytime I hear about something in the mainstream that they might've heard of outside of our household, right? Whether it's a musician or some new record or some new song that's all over the news or that's making an impact or whatever, you know, I I can't say enough how important it is as a parent to be really involved in your kids' lives and to really establish and and maintain a strong connection with your kids it's super important you know know what's going on in their lives they have so many influences in their lives they have all of their their peer group the education system you know their their religious education
0: system pop culture social media the internet tv shows all this stuff
1: and as a parent you know I sat down with my kids a while back, and we sort of made a little pie chart and had some really insightful discussion about about the influences in their lives. And you know, we we, we hashed all this out, which, by the way, we're going to make a podcast out of this soon. Uh, this is on our, our current list of podcasts. It'll get done. I don't know how soon, but it's it's important and it's, and it's super insightful. I think it'll really help a lot of a lot of parents. To connect with their kids and to understand how to manage the influences in their kids' lives. So I asked my kids, I'm like, so what are the influences in your lives? Right. And then we came down to it. It was like peer group and all the all the things I just said. And so anytime there's there's something new in the stratosphere out out there in the ether, whatever, there's some new influencer that comes on the scene that's impacting my kids or that my kids are going to be exposed to. I want to have that conversation with them as early as possible. Right. So I mean, the cool thing about my boys, if I'm being real, is that like we, we've been at it so long, running our relationship this way and, and, and parenting them this way, and they've been living this way for so long that they, they're super solid. So they're, they're really perceptive. You know, they're hard to fool. They know trash when they see it, they know bullshit when they see it. But I still wanted to have a conversation with them, particularly because this guy seemed so nuanced to me and so powerful in, in whatever ways. And I, I had had this really positive experience with him. And then I saw some video clips and stuff and heard other things. And I'm like, whoa, hold on. You know, this could be a Trojan horse situation where my kids start adopting this, this really charismatic, really, uh, um, you know, appealing sort of role model guy. And, and there could be some bad energy in there. So, one of the things that, you know, we talk about in our house a lot, you know, obviously, you know, we, my kids, we, we think of things as energy, right? So, when we listen to music, they know it's energy. It's sound, you know. but it's, it's energy they're experiencing with their ears as sound. And then it goes into their ears, and it's processed by their brain and by every cell in their body, and that energy of that music has an impact on them. And so sometimes it's not just what you say, it's how you say it, right? It's not just the person talking. It's the energy that they're speaking with or the energy in their presence. And so I wanted to have this conversation with him. And I'm like, guys, I don't know. I, I p- picked up some stuff in his energy. I picked up some stuff in the, you know, from these video clips or whatever, things I've heard. I just want to kind of put it out there that just be mindful of this guy. He says a lot of things that make a lot of sense. But just because he does doesn't mean that we should just wholesale integrate everything that he says as good life advice. And of course, they're both like, yeah, of course. Yeah, we get that. No, totally. He says some funny things. He says some stupid things. You know, he's a cool guy. What color is your Bugatti? So I think that's really important to have those conversations with your kids. And I did just that. So, you know, one of the interesting things about Andrew Tate is that, you know, he's he's probably considered by a lot of people to be like the poster boy of toxic masculinity, right? Um, And that's like not uh, a foreign... Topic for us to discuss in our house. Obviously, two teenage boys and me being their dad, we have these conversations, right?
0: What is toxic masculinity? And is Andrew Tate the poster boy of it? It's a great question. Well, like anything else, I don't tell my boys what to think. I try to teach them how to think. And we
1: Ended up making a project out of Andrew Tate over the last year. Studying him, studying the phenomenon around him. uh, Doing a detailed analysis of all the content we could find on him. We, We travel a lot, obviously. We're on the road a lot, so we have a lot of time for podcasts and interviews and stuff like that. So we've done a deep dive on everything we can get our hands on with Andrew Tate. Over the last year, and I mean it's not hard to see why this guy is like the poster boy for, <laughs> for toxic masculinity in some circles around the world. And so that's really what this episode is about. Is there are some angles on this guy that I just haven't heard. And these are the angles that my my kids and I, and other people that I'm close to in my life, have come up with. And we've we've had a lot of discussions about him. And uh And his influence on the world and and what it means as a reflection of the state of modern society. So let's get into that. So, to start off with, this is gonna be so much fun. I've wanted to get into this for so freaking long. Uh, So, what is toxic masculinity? What is it? Does it even exist? A lot of people say it doesn't, especially a lot of men's coaches. If you listen to a lot of masculinity
0: coaches, they're the first ones to tell you it does not exist. Well, maybe they're right. A lot of people think that they're not right. So how do you know? Well, let me say this. Just, just as a little word of advice, if you ever want to win people over
1: and influence people to come to your way of thinking or to at least see your way of thinking and understand it, one of the worst things you can possibly do is to take one of their biggest problems that they present about the world or whatever and just tell them to their face, point blank, that that doesn't exist. Great example. That fucking pinhead, Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk, is he like the Turning Point USA guy? Fucking dipshit, dude. Like that guy, I just heard him say, I've heard him say this so many times. I heard him say the other day, point ass blank in like a recent video, he goes, racism
0: does not exist. And I'm just like, what fucking planet are we on? Obviously racism exists. Obviously, right? There's people
1: out there who don't like other people for their race. Now you can argue about whether or not that is that racism is or isn't as influential in the lives of the average person you know, as it used to be 100 years, years ago or 50 or 30 or wh- whatever, whatever. My point is to
0: just wholesale write something off and just wipe it off the whiteboard, uh,
1: especially when it's a big issue brought up by people on the other side of the fence, is just, it's never going to be effective. It's never going to be effective. One of the most annoying things that masculinity coaches do These days, to me, and one of the most toxic and detrimental to their own message is to deny the existence of toxic masculinity. So, let me explain to you a way that you can look at toxic masculinity that actually makes objective sense. Because you guys know me, like, I look, I I believe a lot, a lot of wacky shit in my spiritual views, particularly, right? But Nothing in my concrete worldview is incoherent. It's always got to make actual objective sense because I believe that the spiritual and the physical align. I believe that there's synergy between the two, there's symmetry between the two, and that your spiritual beliefs should make sense just as much as your physical scientific beliefs. They can. So here's the thing where you have toxic, toxic masculinity. Does it exist? Well, it does, and I'll explain why. Inherent in the fabric of reality and in, and in the fabric of human nature, there are masculine and feminine traits. And the ancient Egyptians knew about this and built their society on this most successful, peaceful, harmonious, and creative and constructive uh, society in the history of the human race. Right? Maybe we can learn something from them. What were they doing? What did they organize their society around? Talk talk a lot about Egypt on the podcast. I've got Egyptian tattoos and special places in my body, and people ask me why Egypt is so important. Well, I won't rant on it, but I will tell you that they were the most successful society that ever existed, with the healthiest, happiest people that created the most artwork and the most architecture and the most incredible cultural influences. And when you look at what they organized their society around, it was it was ultimately an understanding of 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 the masculine and the feminine. That's it. What made the most, society, the most successful society in history the most successful society in history? Well, when you look at them at first glance, you can see that they understood that innately, human nature, every human being, has both feminine and masculine aspects in their nature. This is also true of the physical world. This is why we got science and chemistry and everything else from Egypt because they were smarter than us they used more of their brains and they understood shit that we have long forgotten and one of those is that the masculine and feminine concepts are written into the fabric of reality and into the fabric of human nature they're they're not arbitrary constructs they're not social constructs we have nighttime and we have daytime we have wet and we have dry we have hot and we have cold we have light and we've got dark we've got strong and we've got weak everything exists on a masculine and feminine spectrum. And I've said this many times before in the podcast, but never in this context. I, uh, I've created a lot of diagrams and algorithms and spreadsheets and stuff to sort of you know, create working models where I can model out interactions of different things and that requires me to assign values to things. My brain's a number thing. So I look at, if you were to look at a t- uh, like a line, Um, a number line and you have zero in the middle and you have negative five on the far left and you have positive five on the far right. Your left side is your masculine left brain side and your right side is your feminine or your right brain side. You have a positive five far right side, negative five all the way over to the left for the masculine. Zero is balance in the middle. So you can take a, a, a set of traits. There's all these different pairs of traits, right? Like something like, let's say happiness. We can put happiness on that scale. And we can say that positive five, right? Supremely happy, blissfully ecstatic, right? This is like ecstatic bliss is positive five.
0: Suicidal depression is negative five, right? Zero in the middle is contentment. And somewhere around
1: here, which I'm not going to share with you guys now, obviously, that I've got diagrams of virtually every human emotion, every, you know, every affect that you could think of, all modeled out on these things, and it works out just fine. So zero is content, far left is suicidally depressed, far right is ecstatically blissful, you know, positive one might be, you know, hopeful. Positive two is happy. Positive three is. You know, super excited. Like, you see how, you see what I'm saying here, right? Every aspect of human nature can be modeled this way, particularly when it comes to our emotions and our character traits and attributes, which is what masculine and feminine are. Now, what happens is, like on any spectrum, whenever you get too far to one side or too far to the other, it becomes a problem. I always think of it like a a bowling alley, right? Like, you want to bowl the ball down the middle of the alley. You don't want to hit the the gutters on the side. Too far to the left is toxic masculine. Too far to the right is toxic feminine. And so how does that work? Well, for instance, the masculine should be protective. The counterpart to that, the feminine counterpart to that, is to be welcoming or open, right? The the feminine is always more open and receiving, more welcoming. The masculine is always a little more closed, a little more protective, so on and so forth. Feminine is more flowy and curvy and fluidic and the masculine is more rigid and resolved and stoic and solid and all of that. The right brain feminine, again, is more expressive and affectionate. The left brain is more calculating and all of that. So you can go look up lists of masculine and feminine traits and see what I'm talking about. This is not my idea. This is is old shit and it's basic shit and it's stuff my kids have known since they were kids. And once you understand it, the fundamentals of it. And if there's any aspect of your mind right now that's trying to reject this, just stop. Just stop. Don't try to poke holes in this. Just open your mind and listen. Because I promise you that if you do, you're going to come out the other end a little bit wiser. So you can go look up all the masculine and feminine traits, left brain, right brain traits, whatever. This is a known thing. But it's a thing that we have, along with so many other things, we've just forgotten that it's a thing in the modern world. People just just batshit crazy world's fucking upside down and backwards. It's wild. So what is toxic masculinity in the context of all of that? So again, the, the masculine is protective, and that's good. And the feminine is, uh, what, would, what would the opposite of protective be, I guess? If you're not protective, you're like carefree and, and naive, right? Like you're like, eh, fuck it, whatever. Just do Whatever. So if you go too far over into the masculine side of the scale, let's say protective or being territorial or whatever is like a negative one, negative two, whatever, which doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that's a masculine trait. That's okay. Everybody's going to have those. Every single person. No one's perfectly balanced. But just the trait of protectiveness itself is a masculine trait. So let's put that at a negative one. If you take that all the way to the negative five, to the toxic end, let's say a guy who is protective of his family, that's one thing. And then look at a guy who is a controlling, tyrannical maniac with his wife or, or whatever. That would be a negative five. Because again, that is a masculine trait, which is rooted in the masculine desire to protect, taken too far. This could even be a mother who is protective of her child. Being protective is a masculine trait. It doesn't mean that only men are protective either. You guys got to let this go if that's bothering you. Just let it go. Maybe, just, maybe not a bad time to just point out that, by the way, guys, you can always listen to something with an open mind, and then at the end of the conversation, you can analyze what you heard and then decide what you want to throw out. You can always do that. What you can't do is listen with a closed mind and actually intake the information for proper processing. Just just a little reminder there. What was it? Einstein or somebody said that the true sign of intelligence is being able to entertain an idea without accepting it. You should do that with every single podcast of ours. (laughs) Always come in with an open mind and just rest assured that on the back end of this thing, if it doesn't make sense, you can throw out whatever you like, but there's always going to be something in there for you. So, these masculine and feminine traits, when they're taken too far, just like being open minded is a feminine trait, being closed minded is a masculine trait. But when you take closed minded to the point of being completely shut out to new ideas, you go from like a negative one to a negative five. That's, that's, that's a toxic masculine trait. You can be open minded, that's a positive one on that particular scale. But if you go all the way into full blown, you know, existential naivete and you just go walk off the side of the grand canyon one day because you're so open to anything and somebody convinces you it's a good idea right so that's a toxic feminine trait so the masculine and feminine it it's associated with the concept of male and female man and woman but you can't get hung up on the idea that only men have masculine traits or only men should or only women have feminine traits or only women should right? Because even things like hope and despair are on one of these scales. So hope is obviously a feminine trait. Despair is a masculine trait. If you don't like masculine, just call it left brain.
0: You can do that if you want. But it's all the same. Electricity and magnetism, masculine and feminine,
1: same thing. So whenever you take a toxic trait too far, it becomes I mean, when you take a trait too far, it becomes toxic, male or female, masculine, feminine, whatever. So toxic masculinity absolutely exists. Toxic femininity exists. And I I wished it more masculine coaches, particularly masculine coaches, but, but everybody, I wish everybody understood this, right? Your kids can understand this just fine. It's actually a fun game. I, I did a podcast with my kids like six years ago when they were little kids where they were identifying all of these components in pokemon the masculine and feminine the, the creator and the, and the the death bringer and all, all this stuff you can go back and listen to it so so everybody understands this stuff and it's and it's innate toxic masculinity does exist now what does it mean in society what does it mean to a person who says uh david goggins is is uh, an example of toxic masculinity joe rogan is a toxic masculine guy Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate, um, you know, Hulk Hogan, whatever, right? So you got to separate the idea that, that, that toxic masculinity does exist. It can be objectively measured, more or less, on, on a quantifiable data field scale. It can be turned into an algorithm. It's a real thing. But it doesn't mean that every time someone points a finger and says toxic masculinity that they're, they're actually getting it right, obviously. Because at the end of the day, that's kind of the issue, right, with modern society that we're getting into in this episode, is the idea that, that things are so upside down and backwards and twisted in on themselves and scattered to the fucking winds. Who knows? Who knows what anything is? And that's a, that's a real problem. <laughs> it's a real problem. So imagine that the entire... Universe was built on a very simple dualistic scale of left brain, right brain, electric or magnetic, masculine, feminine, male, female, light, dark, good, evil, so on and so forth. This is the the dualistic polarity that exists in all things. Magnets have a north pole and a south pole, so forth. By the way, if you want to look more into this uh, from a <sighs> theological or I don't know, more scientific standpoint or whatever, or or, or mythological or whatever, you can look at um, Hermeticism. Hermeticism is uh, f- the stuff from Egypt. It's a school of philosophy from Egypt that came down into Greece and everywhere else. And This talks about the, the concept of duality. It's one of the seven principles of Hermeticism. Everything ebbs and flows. Everything's mental. Everything's energy. Everything vibrates. Whatever. Everything has masculine and feminine. Everything corresponds as within, so without, as above, so below, as with the universe, so with the soul, all that stuff. That's the kind of duality we're talking about here, hermetic duality. It exists in everything. The Egyptians knew it, built a society around it, and they were happy as shit for 3,000 years. We've barely been at this two centuries, and we're all ready to fucking blow the world up. We're already cutting the dicks off of little boys because they like the color pink. Like, it's wild. We are living in fucking clown world. It's like God, the universe gave us the simplest possible chessboard. He's like, there's two colors. <laughs> it's a chessboard. It's 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 squares. They're black and white. Like, don't fuck it up. And we're over here like trying to cut puzzle shapes and, and graffiti on the chessboard, making things more complicated than they need to be. Understanding duality is super, super helpful. It's super important. And I can't imagine trying to govern my life or, or navigate life at this point with, without understanding and accepting that basic, obvious, self evident, fundamental truth about reality and human nature. It's a really, really wacky thing. So here we are in this world, and things are messed up, especially in the Western world, especially as it pertains to masculinity and I would say femininity as well. Young men are not dating at the rates or they're dating at lower rates than ever before they're having sex at lower rates than ever before they're getting married at lower rates than ever before they're more disenfranchised than ever before they're out of shape more than ever before they're killing themselves at historically high rates 80 percent of the people who kill themselves are men men are demonized by society I can't. I, I don't remember all of the different politicians, these fucking gremlins on TV um, that I've heard over the last couple of years talking about how I think it was like white men are like the greatest terrorist threat to the country or something like that. It might have been the president. Fuck, I, I don't know. I don't know. The, the, that whole group of fucking crazy people. Like men are villainized in the modern world to a huge extent from high platforms, from people who... Who know better, right? And that—that's a—that's a—that's a, an important little point for you to stick a pin in, for the sake of this conversation and and for life. Always take note when someone at, when someone says something to a group of people that they know isn't true, right? So especially if you have a politician or a big leader, or an influencer, anyone. Why would you say something that was fundamentally not true? Why would you villainize masculinity? Why would you demonize men at large? Why would you even want to point public perception in that direction? Well, we'll talk about that in just a second. So men and women generally have a baseline nature. Not to say that all men are the same and all women are the same. Not to say that women can't do some of the things men can and vice versa that that's not what this is about this is about the idea that just like a dog is generally a dog a guitar is generally a guitar a car is generally a car right a tree is a tree there's lots of different kinds of trees but there are some fundamental things that make a man a man there's some fundamental things that make a woman a woman and there are traits that are generally more present In women, and the same with men.
0: And it doesn't, there's no perfect combination here, right? Not really. I mean, theoretically, there is, but different story. Men and women have a nature.
1: Now, in the modern world, that nature gets disrupted in so many freaking ways, so many ways. And I won't get into all of them, but I will talk about the cultural influences because that's what we're talking about here is that whenever a man or a woman, any person, is forced by their society or through whatever external influences or, or restrictors or whatever it might be, to live out of alignment with their own nature, they're never going to be healthy, ever. It's By definition, health is alignment. That's what it is. And If you want me to really blow your mind, you know the symbol of health that you see on the doctor's offices with the snakes going around the thing in the middle with the wings at the top? That's actually an Egyptian symbol. It's called the caduceus. It comes from the hermetic belief system I mentioned earlier, the staff of Hermes. You know what that represents? It represents two snakes that are the masculine and feminine counterparts swirling around the staff in the middle, which is representative of the human spine. And uh, the little fixture on top of that staff is the pine cone that represents the awakened or enlightened person. And the wings that come off the side represent ascension. To indicate that whenever your masculine and feminine energies are weaving in harmony and balance around your spine and, and your and your spiritual systems, both, that you will you will obtain a, a greater awareness of the world, a more expansive and balanced and, and clear view of the world of yourself and and how how it all works, and the wings of ascension. Well, that's a more spiritual concept to get into for another time, but. It's interesting that the symbol of the healthcare industry is actually rooted in what we're talking about here. It's rooted in duality. It's rooted in, in esoteric spiritual understandings about the nature of, 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 about human nature. What's even more interesting is that modern doctors don't even know what it means. Every time I meet a doctor, I ask him that. Do you know what that symbol is? And Nobody knows. No one knows. How crazy is that? The people that are in charge of our health don't even know what the universal symbol for their industry represents. What does that symbol stand for? It's interesting. And I, I don't think it's accidental that we have lost our understanding of, of symbol, symbols like that in the modern day, obviously. Because, um, of course, not to diss any doctors or anything, but obviously the modern healthcare system is. Um, not exactly aligned with nature for the most part. So I digress, but my point is that the very nature of human health relies on the alignment and harmony of the masculine and feminine energies within a person. At the root of it, if you demand that a person operate outside of that balance and outside of that natural alignment, you are demanding them to be unhealthy. You are creating imbalance, right? So it's interesting that we live in a society that's now denying that there is any nature, right? There, there are no, There is no polarity, right? The Egyptians had it wrong. Um, this doesn't exist. We're making this up. Duality doesn't exist. Obviously, that's not true. But we live in a society that's progressively being built more and more as if, it's not true, as if there is no nature, as if there is no science, there is no biology, there is no objective reality. Well, what is that? that, that that's what we talked about earlier, that I just mentioned earlier, right? This is the opposite of, of uh, you know, a military closed-mindedness. This is like the radical feminine open-mindedness gone wild, right? This is like layer of the radical feminine takeover of the world. The left brain is discerning. The right brain is open-minded. If you're too discerning, you just end up becoming closed-minded. That's a negative five on the scale, right? To be discerning is a negative one. You want that. Everyone wants discernment in their life. And being open-minded is important, too. That's a positive one. It's on the right brain side. But if you're too open-minded, then you just become naive and anything goes. There's no discernment. And that's where we're at. That's really the problem that we have is this this radical feminine overlay of absolute anything goes, total fluidity of everything, fluidity of the natural universe, fluidity of, of identity, fluidity of de- definitions of things. Anything goes. And whenever you have something like that going on, when you have a, a radical takeover of a society with a set of ideas or ideals, man, there's a lot of different directions to go thinking about that. I won't get into maybe necessarily all the details of, of why it's happening, but it's safe to say that there are groups of people who benefit from the confusion. We could say that. Groups of people, powerful people, who benefit from the confusion of the masses. Surely that's not too controversial for you guys, right? <laughs> I would not I, w- I would hope not. Jesus. So there are really powerful people that understand these things. Because again, it's, it's not that hard. It's not that hard once you understand the basic building blocks of how shit works. It's not that hard to figure out how to manipulate masses of people. And so we're living in this society where, I mean, if you're sane, you know that it doesn't feel right. You know that it doesn't look right. You know, we are, our nature is suppressed. Spiritually, we're, we're lost. I mean, there's, there's so much uh, spiritual confusion and spiritual vacuum in the world. Brought on by a lot of factors. Make no mistake, humans are mental and we're physical and we are spiritual. That doesn't have to mean a man on the cloud. There's a whole different model for understanding the mental, physical, and spiritual domains of human nature. We won't get into that now, but just trust me for the moment with your with your suspension of disbelief that I've already solicited earlier. We are made of all three. We absolutely are. And whenever you ignore the spiritual, you have a problem. So we have all these issues in modern society. And what happens when you have widespread issues in any society? You're always going to have people who rise to the occasion. Some of those people are going to rise to the top and take advantage. I don't know a lot about German history around World War II, but... um, What little bit I understand is that Hitler was a guy who rose to power because he saw the lay of the land, he had some ideas, he had the right kind of charisma, the the right ability to influence people, the right mindset to connect with people. And they were disenfranchised with whatever the situation was in Germany. Like I said, I'm not a World War II historian. I probably know less about that period of time than anything else literally in history. But I'm just using that as an example, right? I've talked about this before with, with Jesus. If you want to imagine that he existed or if you believe he existed, it, it makes no difference for the example. But at the time of Jesus, let's say he did exist, the time was exactly right for a person to come and bring a new message to the masses. The world was gathering around the Roman Empire. All the religions were coalescing together. All these Greek philosophies that then became Roman philosophies and got amended and changed and all of that. This is a melting pot of ideas at Jesus' time and place in history. There was Jewish revolts all over that part of the empire. Of course, someone is going to come along and go, man, this is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> There's always people saying it's fucked up. What do you mean? There's always people seeing how fucked up things are. And if things are really fucked up, then someone's going to, to feel convicted enough and called and driven enough by their, by their purpose or their morals or whatever to take action with, their, with whatever, whatever resources they have to try to make an impact. And you can see that on social media now with so many influencers, so many self-help coaches, so many masculine coaches, so many feminine coaches, so many relationship coaches, so many business coaches. The world is so hyper-connected. Never before in recorded history has the entire globe been able to talk to each other and share ideas and philosophies and all of that stuff. And never before have so many people, well, actually, Lots of people have felt like everything was fucked up before. It's just never was it everybody in the world. Not to say that everybody lives in that world, but if you're in America, you're definitely looking around going, what the fuck, (laughs) right? I mean, China's kind of fucked up. A lot of places are pretty messed up. And so we can see that, and we can share those ideas together around the world for the first time, and that's wild. So just like Jesus existed at a time when It makes sense to me that Jesus existed, and if he, if, I don't want to rabbit hole on this too much, but it makes sense that he would have existed, and if he didn't, someone like him did. In fact, we know that there was other people like him at that time, Apollonius of Tyana, often confused with Jesus by historians because he was the same age with the same message, same time and place. We know he existed. So the point is, is that Lots of people were coming at the time of Jesus talking about these messages, about these, these central ideas that when they, when they took all of the, the whole pool of philosophies and religions and ideas that, that were floating around at that time that they had access to, they saw a middle path. And the idea that they came up with was essentially the, the message of Jesus, more or less. But there was lots of people doing that at that time. I'm not saying Jesus wasn't the guy or whatever. I'm just saying it's a fact. There was other people doing the same thing. Maybe they weren't the son of God or whatever it is that you believe. I'm not trying to step on anybody's religious toes here. I'm just saying history has shown us that when there is a need or a niche or a space in society for someone to step forward, they will. And usually it's actually lots of people, and usually they have lots of shared ideas. Well, why is that? Well, because if it wasn't a fucking problem, they wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no one's out here addressing, you know, all the little things that don't need to be addressed. I mean, there's people who see glaring problems in society and they're talking about it. They see glaring problems in relationships, so they're talking about it. They see glaring problems that tons of young entrepreneurs are making when they're trying to start their first business, so they're talking about it. That's why Gary V exists. If there weren't widespread business problems that could be solved, to the betterment of the people solving them, then Gary V wouldn't exist or any of these coaches. So whenever you're at a time in history when things are really messed up, like broad scale, like a lot of verticals over a lot of territory and a lot of people, those are the times that are going to bring really big people to the top, to the surface. And you can go back to, I'm even looking at Martin Luther King Jr right like would would there have there's no need for a Martin Luther King Jr. today we don't, we don't need that archetype of you know a strong spiritual black man to take on white oppressors to fight for to end segregation and and, and all of that. that that's not we don't need that right now so we don't have that there is no MLK walking around in the, in the on CNN or Fox or some shit berating people for and jackasses. I wish there was. But we needed MLK when he was here. We needed Gandhi when he was here. And if you if you start thinking about it historically, people will rise to fill these spaces that are needed in society. Or parasitic evil people like Hitler will find those same spaces, feed on people's fears and their hatred. And their resentment toward other people, and they'll
0: climb that like a ladder. That's what, as far as I understand it, Hitler did. Sounds good to me, anyway. I might have just made that up. I don't know.
1: A lot of people think that that's what Donald Trump was doing. I don't. I'm not a Donald Trump fan, but I don't see it. <laughs> I don't. I don't see it really. But my point is, is that the times will cause people to rise to the top. And so, in the masculinity space these days, when I look around I see Jordan Peterson and as far as actual thinkers, like people who are who 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 are like philosophers and intellectual people who are really trying to target men, I don't see a lot of other people. Like you could throw out names like Joe Rogan and David Goggins and you know all these different people. But when it comes to, you know, philosophies about things, like David Goggins is a, you know, he's an athlete. Um, Joe
0: Rogan's a podcaster. Who else do you have? Who are the other guys? I don't really think there are that many, like, well-known, famous, masculine role models.
1: And I'm actually, I'm actually trying very badly to say that, that I don't even think that Joe Rogan or, or, or David Goggins even really fits that bill. And the reason why is because they're not offering a complete worldview to anybody. They're not even trying to offer a complete worldview. Joe Rogan has a podcast where he brings on people that want to talk about their worldview, either in its entirety or just pieces of it. David Goggins talks about discipline and you know strength of will and whatever he talks about. And he, he sets an example by accomplishing great things in the real world. And that's really key. Because accomplishing things in the real world is the evidence that the philosophies you espouse aren't bullshit, (laughs) which is like super relevant to to the conversation we're having now. So in the influencer space, as far as people that are speaking to young men that actually have a well-developed, coherent worldview and that are trying to express that worldview to young men, I don't even know who else we have. Besides Jordan Peterson, I don't nobody. There's nobody out there. There's a lot of guys that that men rally around for sure. Yeah, men rally around Joe Rogan, men rally around David Goggins, Cam Haynes,
0: you know, certain people. But when it comes to a teacher, to a teacher, how many guys are out there really teaching a uh, a whole, a
1: whole life philosophy, a whole worldview that have an understanding of the world that they express and share with the public, with the masses through their work, their lectures, whatever. And they actually explain the world more or less in its entirety, what's wrong with it at different levels and how an individual can make a difference starting in their own life and then outward in society, family, community, so on and so forth. I actually, I was just thinking about this earlier. I I don't know anyone besides Jordan Peterson that really fits that bill. A lot of guys out there that like a lot of guys out there, but none of them are doing it quite like that. So that brings us to the fact that we we are in need of masculine role models. We need them at home, for sure. Speaking to the young, speaking for young men, uh, we need them at home, and if we don't have them at home, we just don't have them. So. It creates a need, and in the space of that need, someone will arise. And that's why Jordan Peterson has been the monumental, meteoric figure that he's been over the last better part of a decade. So we only have one guy in that space, really? Well, now we have Andrew Tate. For better or worse, we've got Andrew Tate, and he is coming out, talking about his worldview. Excuse me, I just water burped on you guys. So he's talking about his worldview, and he's talking about what men, young men, and other men can do with their lives to make themselves better and to be a, a, a you know, a, a more valuable
0: um, cog in the global wheel. Great. So who is Andrew Tate? Andrew Tate is uh, a
1: British guy. He was born in America. I'm just going off the top of my head. He was born in America. His dad was a chess grandmaster which factored heavily into his upbringing. He's a chess player himself. He moved to England with his mom and his brother when he was like 10 or something like that and lived in one of the worst ghettos in England, a town called Luton. Luton. Apparently a very, very ghetto, very bad, crime-ridden, drug-infested. Sounds like a, a real shithole of a place. Something like Detroit, I would guess. I don't mean that. I've never been to Detroit, actually. More like Baltimore. Um, So anyway, so he was uh, born in America. Parents got divorced. He went to England with his mom and his brother. Grew up in a very shitty situation and came from nothing. And then he and his brother became kickboxing champions. He was four-time world kickboxing champion. His brother was like three-time European kickboxing champion. His brother is Tristan Tate. Andrew and Tristan, and after uh, kickboxing, or maybe along the way, they became multi-multi-millionaires, very successful entrepreneurs, starting with running a webcam company for, um, for chicks to do stuff on a webcam. My understanding is it was all kinds of things. There was probably, there was definitely nudity involved in some of it, but it was other stuff too. So they ran an agency managing chicks uh, on, on webcam stuff. And they got very wealthy doing that. And then after they had some money rolling, uh, they just kind of went serial entrepreneur and started investing into all kinds of businesses. I think casinos was a big one. They moved to Romania in their mid-20s, I think. And uh, they're, they're like in their mid-30s now, 35, 36. So they moved to Romania, started investing in some casinos, um, And the rest is history. They ended up becoming very, very, very wealthy and made a lot, a lot of money. They're worth a few hundred million dollars, best anyone can tell. And they have a bunch of supercars, big, strong 6'3", 6'4", half black, half white kickboxer guys who also happen to be extremely intelligent and extremely articulate. And I think a lot of that comes from the genes and upbringing that they got from their dad, who they talk about a lot, who was a, a chess grandmaster and spoke lots of languages, a little bit autistic because he was so smart, that kind of guy. So these guys had come from nothing, amassed lots of wealth, world champion kickboxers, very tough guys, physically, obviously, very tough mentally, also very intelligent, articulate, very charismatic. And the reason we're having a conversation about them today is because seemingly out of nowhere in the last couple of years Andrew Tate became the most googled
0: man on earth which is obviously why we're talking about him now so there's been a lot of
1: controversy around Andrew Tate right this is one of the most polarizing people that I've ever seen in the public eye it's like a like a Donald Trump thing it's like there there are people who are like Trump worshipers like Trump could smash a baby in front of him, and they would like still just be Maga for life. And then there's other people that, you know, he could save their family out of a burning building at the risk of his own life, and, and they, they'd still hate him and call him Hitler. Very polarizing guy, Donald Trump. Very polarizing guy, Andrew Tate. So why is he so polarizing? What's all the controversy about, right? Well, here's the thing. So you got a guy who was making videos, uh, or not making videos mostly, he was doing interviews and stuff with people. People would have him on for podcasts or whatever. Five years ago, six, seven years ago, whatever. And they're just thinking like, hey, here's this wealthy kickboxer guy who's got some interesting things to say. He's got interesting energy and a lot of swagger because he's a four-time world kickboxing champion who came from nothing and turned himself into a wealthy man. And, People wanted to have him on their interviews and podcasts and whatever else. And so he he gained some some steam on these interviews and podcasts, talking about masculinity, talking about masculine excellence, about discipline, work ethic, just what men should do to be better men. But he also, um, if you're a podcaster, if you you have a, a podcast where you have a lot of guests on at one time, like imagine having five, six, seven guests on at one time, and your platform is whatever it is. Like, imagine if you could bring somebody in that was really going to stir up the pot, right? And so what would happen is you would have guys sit him down, like bring him in for a podcast. And he would. they would have like five or six OnlyFans girls or something, you know? And putting a guy with, with his views into that situation is like putting... Cameron Haynes down at a table full of vegans, right? Like you know, there's you know there's going to be sparks, and so in the course of those conversations, Andrew Tate made a number of comments about women that don't reflect very nicely on his views of women, and that's the biggest controversy about him. Globally, he's been called a misogynist by all kinds of people. That's the number one thing you hear about Andrew Tate is that he's a misogynist and he hates women and this and that. And there's so many video clips that you can look up where he says things that,
0: um, certainly in the context of that clip, could be, um, could be problematic for people. I understand that. So
1: beyond the misogyny, which is a huge thing with him, a lot of people really, really believe that he's a misogynist and that's what he was known for for the longest time. In April of 2022, his house was raided for claims of human trafficking. And so for the last year, he's been called not just a misogynist, but a human trafficker, criminal, rapist, those kinds of things. Fun stuff to call people without proof. You know what I mean? And then right around Christmas of this last year of 2022, his house was raided again. And he and his brother Tristan were taken to a Romanian prison where they were kept in a dungeon for three months. With no evidence and no charges and uh then put on house arrest for another several months i can't remember how many months they just got off a house arrest like last week and i left out the fact that somewhere around all of the shenanigans of last april of 2022 when they got raided for the first time and the police found no evidence of anything and they, they didn't even go to jail they just answered questions and turned over the camera footage to their house and went on their way it was all a it was all a, a false shakeup. Uh, right around that time, they got uh, or Andrew had all of his uh, social media accounts canceled, all at the same time, like overnight. This like YouTube and Instagram and you know Twitter, whatever. All of his accounts were, were were absolutely shut down overnight. And then also some of their bank accounts, and also like even his Uber account, so he couldn't take an Uber. Which is really interesting because. It, you got to you got to wonder what kind of enemy have you made when they can coordinate the the all the social media and technology companies like that to all cancel your accounts at exactly the same time overnight. And meanwhile, as soon as they canceled all of his accounts, the next day newspapers, periodicals around the world start running the same story. Andrew Tate misogynist Accused of human trafficking, so on and so forth. And the thing about public opinion is that it's easy to get people on board with a narrative when they don't like you. And Andrew Tate's a polarizing guy. He's a guy who says what he thinks. He's got a very bold, outspoken worldview and a a lot of Yang energy, shall we say? That means that he's very, um, he's fucking, I don't know, he's very Yang. (laughs) The Yin and the Yang, right? The Yin, the Yin is very inward. The Yang is very outward and powerful and expressive outwardly, right? Sagittarius energy. So he's a very Yang energy guy, very outgoing, very outspoken, speaks his mind um, because that's the kind of character that, um, that grows from the soil that he grew from. That's how it is. You don't get into his shoes without being sure of yourself. But a lot of people don't get that. A lot of people don't agree with that. So they don't like him. They think he's arrogant and he's narcissistic, so that it's easy to turn public opinion against someone who a you see video clips talking about women and you don't like what he said, and then b you're like, well, that guy's obviously a fucking narcissist anyway, right like it, of course he's a human trafficker, so that was sort of the general you know take on Andrew Tate, especially after last Christmas when he and Tristan were arrested, and uh, everything was was publicized even harder than before they're like yeah well these these guys are scumbags they used to run a webcam business obviously they're trafficking women and uh they're obviously misogynists as well so i mean all of this lines up not to mention how narcissistic this dude appears to be so the misogyny was obviously the biggest thing human trafficking being added onto that doesn't help anybody's reputation but even among people who don't have those beefs or don't express those beefs exactly there are even people in the men's workspace or or the masculinity space whatever you want to call it that have a problem with his views on things just what he teaches what he what what he sees to be the problem his diagnosis of the problems in society and then his prescription for those problems people don't agree with so what is that about we'll talk about that so I have uh, four things written down here. One, mm, he's materialistic in his ideals. Number two, his uh, misogynistic views on women. Number three, his overall demeanor and persona. Number four, his his background or history in life. So I'll kind of hit each of those that I haven't hit. We already talked about the misogyny. So there are people that believe that he's a really materialistic guy. And that as a, a men's teacher or a men's coach or a guide or whatever, um, that, that young men are looking to, um, you know, for guidance and as a role model, that he's really materialistic and that that's a harmful thing. You know, the Tate brothers have a lot of cars and a lot of houses and a lot of money and a lot of businesses, and they're surrounded with beautiful women. And that's a, that's a part of their life for sure. So it's easy to see how a lot of people looking from the outside in go, oh, this guy's just all about materialism and I hear him talking about cars, and I hear him talking about beautiful women, and I hear him talking about money. So he's just preaching materialism to people. And obviously, the last thing we need in this world is more materialism. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've got fucking materialism coming out of our ears. We don't need any more of that. And so I've got some friends that are, that are uh, therapists and coaches and stuff. I've got a good friend of mine Um, named Crystal DeSantis down in Austin, which I'll probably have Crystal on here soon. We disagree on so much. It'll be fun. But she and I, when we we sat down, the first time we ever talked about Andrew Tate, she's like, yeah, he's just so materialistic. He's just, you know, he's telling young men that they're going to be happy if they have a Bugatti and lots of money and beautiful women. And that's a common thing. That's a common thing you hear from people. We'll, We'll circle back to that later on. But the materialistic aspect of his of his message and persona seem to be a big problem for a lot of people. Uh, we've already gone over the misogyny and this and that. Um, and then his overall energy and demeanor and persona. I wanted to, I want, eh, I wanted to hit that, but that, that's a big problem for people. You know, this guy walks around talking about how awesome he is. He's like, I'm God's chosen favorite. You know, I'm indestructible, I'm this and that. Um, that really puts a lot of people off. Big narcissist energy, people don't like it. We'll come back to that too. And then his background, um, you know, again, I kind of touched on that. You know, there, there's the webcam business. There were some interviews where he said some things. Um, you know, no question about that. Those videos do exist. The webcam company did exist. He and Tristan haven't run that webcam company or anything like it in many, many years, as of now. August of 2023. Um, by the way, it's probably a little bit late, but I'll go ahead and just plug it. If you want to go listen to some interviews with uh, with Andrew Tate, you can go. Uh, Candace Owens just did a good one with him. Tucker Carlson did one with him. Patrick Bett David did one with him. Um, I think those are the only three people I, I think that have interviewed he and Tristan since they got out of out of prison. And they interviewed both of them in most cases I think Tucker and Patrick both interviewed both of the guys worth watching if you want to really get a good view of things if you want to make up your mind if you're on the fence or if you're fully entrenched in whichever camp you are go watch those interviews it's good and then I would go back and watch after all of that go watch and after this after this podcast after you hear this go back and watch the the Tom Segura interview with Andrew Tate the it's called Your Mom's House that's Tom Segura's podcast with his wife they interviewed Andrew Tate a couple of years ago. Absolutely fucking hilarious. I've watched it many times. It's so funny. Um, okay, so those are the problems with them uh, that people seem to have, right? And I get it. Everything that people have a problem with about, about the Tates, particularly with Andrew, I understand it. I really, really do. And, uh, you know, for me, when I look at a person who's influencing the world, I can't think of anybody who I agree with completely. And I, I, I don't even, I would be hard-pressed to even imagine someone who I um, felt like characteristically, like as their character, that they were perfect or ideal, right? Everybody's got their shit. So like for me, especially as a father of two boys, I really care a lot about the information that we consume. I care a lot about my own ideas and outlooks and perspectives and views and beliefs and biases and you know my reasonings and all of that. I, I care a lot about that because I, I've got two boys who are relying on me to deliver to them a useful set of tools and a coherent worldview with which to navigate life. So it matters to me very much what people think, who they are, and how their character has influenced their journey and how all of that influences their message and how all that influences their impact on the world and on my kids and on myself. What we'll do is I'm going to go through some of the misconceptions that I see about Andrew Tate, some of the things I agree with of his, some of the things I, I disagree with, his impact on my life, my kids, and overall what I think of him and his contribution to the world at this particular moment in history, for good or otherwise. So to start with, uh, let's start with misconceptions, right? So I mentioned that a lot of people, and especially people who care about him from a coaching space, like when you know, Jordan Peterson or someone like that, Ben Shapiro, I've heard these guys both mention him or or talking about him in in some kind of detail. Shapiro's actually had some videos, and so so have plenty of other people where they actually do a complex analysis of, of him and his message and his takeaways, his diagnosis of the world and prescriptions for the problems and all of that. So people think that he's a materialist. That's one of the things. And so I would say that it's easy to think that when you see the cars and you see the money and you see the girls and all of that. And you do hear him talk about that. But we live at a time where you have to speak people's language, right? And like we know that, well, I was about to use a bad historical example. I'm not going to use. You have to use people's language to speak to them. You have to relate to the people you're speaking with. And we live in this this world where rappers have been rapping about their cars and their jewelry and their money and their bitches for like 30 years. That was never a problem when that was them doing it because they were doing it in a context that was basically just getting young men to just wanna pursue that. And, and rap about money and bitches and drugs and guns. And that's all they wanted to do. That's all that they were doing with that message. Materialism was the answer. In the case of Andrew Tate and Tristan, uh, I don't find that to be the case at all. I really think that, I g- genuinely believe um, that whenever young men see this guy and they see the cars, and they see the money, and they see the kickboxing titles, and all of that stuff. It gives them credibility in modern currency. You know, it's like, why would some kid raised in this materialist ass society, who's just always ever heard, you know, all about stuff and material things and money and cars and bitches, why would they? Why would any of those kids listen to someone who doesn't have any of that stuff? They, they're not gonna. It's a spoiler alert. They're not going to listen to somebody who doesn't have any of the things they've been raised and conditioned by their culture and society to believe that they're supposed to have. Andrew Tate's not telling people they're
0: going to be happy with by having things. Culture is telling people they're going to be happy having things. Pop culture,
1: telling young men that they're going to be happy when they have the car and the jewelry and the, the bitches and all of that stuff. How many times can I say bitches in this episode before? I get canceled or yelled at. I don't know. So anyway, he's got cars. He's got street cred. And this is the kind of thing that young men raised in this society, generally speaking, are looking at as credibility. They don't want to take advice from some broke dude sitting on the side of a mountain talking about how happiness is in the wind and shit like that. Looking at my Instagram feed. Young men today are not thinking like that. And the fact that Andrew Tate is the most Googled man on earth and has probably more followers than any men's coach since Jesus tells us that there's something to his message that's resonating with people. It's not some magic trick. It's not some sleight of hand. You have a guy who is genuinely resonating with people. And I would continually draw the comparison to Donald Trump, and that's probably a bad idea because I don't have much favorable to say about Donald Trump, but in the same sense that Trump's message was resonating with people so heavily that it got people whipped up into a a kind of tribalism. I don't know if we've ever seen anything like that for a president before. And you can love that or hate that, but that's half the voting country, man. It's a reality. You You may not like it, but you're sharing the world with these human beings that have these problems that he's speaking to and people who feel like they have these needs that as a president, he's reaching out and connecting and convincing them that he's interested in trying to to meet these problems he's trying to solve. And so you can have a problem with Trump and say that he's terrible and his voters are dog shit, but it's like, bro, that's, that's half the country, man. (laughs) Like you're going to have to figure that out. Like you just want to live in a world where you, delude yourself into thinking that half of the population doesn't fucking matter and they're idiots, or maybe there's, there's a bridge there. And so I think it's important with Andrew Tate that, you know, we, we look through the perceived misogyny. I would argue that it's not, and maybe it is to some extent. What is misogyny? We'll get into that in a second too. Uh, the perceived misogyny, the perceived materialism. And, and, and because at the end of the day, we, At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. If if he was literally Hitler, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to understand why he's resonating with people, why he's connecting with so many people. In fact, in the case of someone like Hitler, I mean, historically and with historians and stuff, you've got to look at people like that. You, You need to understand people like that. You need to understand massive cultural phenomena like that. When someone can reach out and have such a powerful impact on so many people. You should want to understand that because you can't afford to ignore it, especially if not if you're interested in operating on the world stage as a a teacher or a coach or a therapist or even a parent. You need to understand why he's connecting with so many young men because he's filling a need. He's solving a problem. He's addressing problems. And if you don't understand what problems he's addressing, then that means you don't understand the majority of young men. In his following, which is the majority of the young men in the Western world. So again, I would say that the materialism thing is kind of just a mask he uses to connect with people. If you actually listen to his message, it's never about the cars. It's never about the money. He actually talks about that a lot. It's actually exactly counter to his message. It's the antithesis of his message that materialism is happiness. So anyone that tells you that about Andrew Tate is 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 just they haven't they don't they haven't familiarized themselves with his message. There's plenty of reasons not to like him, but the idea that as he stands today with his message, preaching this to the young men of the world, to the men of the world of all ages, that that, that materialism can can really be identified in that message as a as a core driver or a core component is is just you're just missing you're misunderstanding what he's talking about, and what he really talks about is that these are markers of accomplishment in certain domains. They're not the things that are going to make you happy. In fact, he's talked about that a lot. That, you, know, it's not, you don't even want the Ferrari. You, know? you want the respect that comes with being the guy that has a car no one else has. And the way that you earn respect is by working hard, being a person of upstanding character, taking care of business, being interesting, being healthy, being strong, being a good person, a virtuous person. And so the the bells and whistles are really just there for the street cred. I'll leave it at that. Materialism is not his thing. He's a he's a a practicing Muslim, which is a fairly new-ish thing. He was a Christian before that. That was uh, short-lived. He was an atheist before that. His story and his brothers are much like mine. He was an atheist. And then one day he started looking around at the world. And once you have a certain level of understanding of the world, you can't help but see the devil's hand in every cookie jar on this planet, at every level, at the highest levels, at the individual level, everything in between. There just comes a point where it's so obvious that we are just swimming in an ocean of evil, that God must exist, and there must be an equal and opposite force for that. And so I made that discovery in in my 20s. Andrew and Tristan made that discovery at some point in their late 20s, and they stopped being atheistic, atheistic heathens and, and started being different men, which is super relevant to the development of their character and reputations by people who will pull out 10 year old videos of them saying some deplorable shit about teaching you how to bang virgins like some horny fucking frat boy. That stuff does happen. People do grow. They do evolve. Religion will do that. Success will do that. Age will do that. Going through life learning shit will do that. Okay, um, we already talked about the misogyny, energy, demeanor, persona. I don't want to spend too long on this, but look, it's kind of funny because we, this is one of the things that Andrew Tate talks about is that we live in a world where the richest men on this planet, the, who, who are largely considered by most of us to be the most successful men on this planet, are basically dorky little white dudes in glasses for the most part, you know? Are just dorky white dudes, or just dorky dudes, right? We live in the, the age of technology and finance, so all of your your billionaires, the richest people in the world, are all technology people and finance people. Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Cuban, list goes on. Geek. This is one of the things that that Andrew and Tristan talk about. Is like we live in a world where we don't have heroes anymore. You know, we used to have Rambo and Terminator and all of that, and now we've got a bunch of dorky dudes with super suits and billions of dollars in our Marvel movies and our real life, what used to would have been the conquerors or the overlords or the, the nobility or whatever of the world, all these tycoons are, are a bunch of, uh, you yeah, know, they're a bunch of techno nerd guys. And, the, and, and let me tell you, as a guy who, who has owned and operated technology companies for the better part of two decades, let me tell you something about technology people. You know how much courage it takes to write computer code? Fucking none. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely none. It takes no courage. All it takes is someone with a brilliant mind for writing code. Somebody like Mark Zuckerberg, who's a, a barely functioning fucking autist. No one even believes he's human. But that guy was a great coder. There's your there's your thing. Like there's no other time in human history where, where that guy wouldn't have been sweeping the fucking floors at the blacksmith shop. But these are the richest men in the world. What kind of a personality does it take to get to that? What kind of a mind? What kind of physicality? Well, when you look at Andrew Tate and you look at his boisterous attitude, you listen to him say that I'm indestructible, I'm, I'm God's chosen favorite. Well, first of all, if you're a martial artist, if you've ever competed in martial arts, you understand that self-belief is one of the things that you can't ignore. And really and truly almost the more genuine self-belief that you have in combat sports, the better you are. Not almost, definitely. The more genuine self-belief you have, the better you are in combat sports. And the more self-doubt you have, the worse you are. This guy's a four-time world kickboxing champion. What do you think he's going to act like? And then some people go, oh, you know, there's, there's other UFC fighters that don't act that way or other martial artists or whatever, you know, that can be humble. They don't have to
0: act like that. Well, maybe. But this one was raised in the hood. Let's talk about that. So he's raised in the ghetto,
1: drugs and crime and violence everywhere. The dude's never done a drug in his life, has no criminal record whatsoever, never turned to a life of crime or drugs. What kind of a personality does it take to do that? What kind of tenacity, what kind of internal self-image, what kind of internal drive does it take to not become a statistic and to miss all of those roadblocks, to overcome all those challenges? And the worst thing that came out of it was you know, a, a, a super present sense of self-belief. I was going to say an inflated sense, but it's, it's not. Because that's the other thing that people miss. You know, you look at Mark Cuban, you look at uh, Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg or Warren Buffett, all these other rich guys that were sort of conditioned to getting used to see those guys, are the, they're the billionaires, they're the successful guys. How come he's not acting like them? Well, because they could never do what he's done, ever that kind of attitude that kind of physicality doesn't those two those two things don't don't happen together and i think that that's really important because i don't know if i've ever heard him talk about this but one of the things that i talk to my boys about is that to me being humble when people say be humble they're really telling you to 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 turn your light down turn your volume down hush be meek be quiet and to me instead i tell my boys to be grateful Always express gratitude in everything that you do. Always give, give thanks to the people who've put you where you are. Give thanks to God and the universe for situating you how it has. But fuck humility. Be grateful. Don't be meek. Don't be quiet. Be proud of your accomplishments. Be charismatic with it. And at the end of the day, who has arrogance ever harmed? You don't like the guy who's arrogant? Well, okay. Came from nothing. He's worth a few hundred million dollars now. He's got four world kickboxing titles, most Google man on earth. You don't get there by not having a monumental sense of self-belief. And you don't become the most Google man in the world or the most influential by being meek and quiet and humble. The Tate brothers wouldn't be where they are if it weren't for their radical sense of self-belief. All right. Yeah, I wanted to touch on the massage anything and get into that. First of all, I don't know what misogyny is, really, and I, I don't—not so much that I don't know what it is. It's that you never know what a person means when they say it. I think that in this modern upside down, back and forth, in and out clown world, to say that women and men aren't equal means you're a misogynist. Now, I—I'm—I'm I, I'm six feet tall, 190 pounds. And I could be standing next to my girlfriend, who's obviously much smaller, and I could say I'm, I'm bigger and stronger than her. Well, I'm, I'm a misogynist. I think that understanding our natural, the, the, the scope of our natural gender roles is a really good thing. It doesn't mean that every relationship is the same. It doesn't mean that every man is the same as every other man or every woman is the same as every other woman. But acknowledging that there are some general sort of guidelines of what a man is, what a woman is. And we're free to operate within that, and we're free to combine those um, different chemicals into the chemistry of a romantic relationship as we see fit, and that's totally fine. But to acknowledge that there is no, there is no framework by nature uh, or any of that is crazy. So anyway, uh, the misogyny thing is kind of subjective. He strikes me as the kind of guy that would die for a woman and someone who probably treats his women extremely well. I mean, based on... It's probably actually something worth mentioning I should say here is, like, this is a guy who ran a webcam business. He's had hundreds of girls work for him. And um, out of all of the research they've done into this guy's background, not research, investigation, calling up thousands of people who have known him, women he's dated, women he's known that work for him, not one single person has actually... um, come forward with anything negative about him uh if you want more information on his court case you can watch his interviews recently with tucker and patrick and candace but the reality is that there there's only one named victim in this whole thing and she's already been exposed as having falsely accused like seven other men for her own financial gain so far and she's an admitted pathological liar so You got a guy here who's supposedly a misogynist and yet not one single woman who's ever known him out of the thousands of people who've been interrogated over him has any problem with him whatsoever. Kind of like calling somebody a racist and you call up like every black friend they've ever had and they're all like, no, he's really not a racist. Kind of where I stand on him and his misogyny as far as I'm concerned. But that being said, you might have different views and that's fine. Okay, another misconception that he's dangerous to young men. This is kind of like calling him a misogynist. Like, There's no actual evidence of misogyny. No woman in all of his life that's been interrogated has ever had a problem with him or not defended him. And in that same way, news outlets and institutions and governments around the world are labeling him as being dangerous to young men. In England, they actually have teachers' unions that have come together and said that he's like public enemy number one for their students. Uh, And they've banned his name from a lot of British schools, which is just wild. Because we have not one situation in the world out of 7 billion people where we have uh, a young man who has committed a violent crime or any kind of crime in the name of Andrew Tate or his teachings. And so it's hard to see where the evidence would be that he's dangerous for young men. Like I said, I've got two young men and their friends are they're all into Andrew Tate. And these are some of the most respectful kids I've ever met. Ever. Incredible young men. Great kids. They stay out of trouble, they play sports, they do great in school. And the thing is is that if you if you listen to Andrew Tate and you really follow his message, anything less than that is unacceptable because it's your job to be excellent. It's your job to be moral. It's your job to be an upstanding person of good character and good integrity. So there there, there is not and there will not ever be any evidence of Andrew Tate harming young men with his message because everything in his message is centered on the idea that men are important in society and we're only important when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing all right um there was one last little uh one last little misconception i see thrown around a lot that his so andrew tate has a real world he has a an online university called the real world And I've heard heard a lot of people talking about how it's a pyramid scheme and he's a scammer and all this kind of stuff. Like a lot of people online saying these things. Let me tell you, I joined the the real world maybe six months ago to see what it was about, and I haven't done anything with it. I just I like to look in there and see what's going on. But there are hundreds of thousands of men or or people, I guess, who've joined this real world university where they teach eighteen or nineteen different ways to make money from real world people who are real world millionaires who are actually have done these things and been successful. And I gotta tell you, man, the thing is put together so fucking well. It's so good. It's so rich in content, and not just the, the university content, but it's actually a community for accountability and support for the men in it. They have, they have like forums in there for pornography addiction, fitness accountability, for nutrition guidance. This is an incredible community for young men. It's awesome. And again, going back to the very beginning of this episode where I said, you know, when people are standing out in public talking to a crowd and they just lie and say something that they know isn't true, you got to ask why. I think it's really crappy that this guy has created this real world university because the public school systems are shit and the university system is shit. And you got some broke economics professor driving a Corolla trying to tell you how to make money on the stock market. Like it's fucking stupid. Everyone knows it's stupid. I come from a family where nobody has a college degree and everybody is like a self-made blue collar successful entrepreneur. I didn't go to college, but most of my employees did. I'll tell you that something like Andrew Tate's real world university is, uh, infinitely more valuable and helpful, not just as an educational tool, but as a, as a, a community tool for the young men that are, that are members of it. I wanted to make sure that that was made clear And, and not, not obviously just to defend Andrew Tate because that's not really my job, although I'm obviously someone who sees the better side of him than others, some others, but the gist of this entire conversation, the the reason that all of this even matters to me, again, going back to being a dad and not just having my two teenage boys, but having, you know, I do men's groups and men's workouts and stuff like that with lots of men of all ages, 18 to 50 men need community. We need our tribe, we need our brotherhood, and we need good guidance and good help and support. And if you can throw in an educational institution in there that can actually teach people how to make money whenever our existing education system does nothing of the of the sort, it's super helpful. Hustlers University, 50 bucks a month. Get it for your teenage son. Make him use it. It'll do him better than any college education could. Unless he wants to be a doctor or something. You can't learn that on there. All right. So the things that I agree with from his message, probably things that hopefully we can all agree with. I'm going to run through these because we're, we're running up on two hours here. And I know I talk slow, but I think slow. I can't help it. Just speed up the fucking episode. Don't yell at me. So I'm going to run through these. So I believe that generally speaking, men and women are wired to compliment each other by nature, by God, by the universe, whatever you want to call it. I don't just believe it, I understand it, just as the Egyptians understood it, and they implemented it and built their entire society around it. Men and women are wired to complement each other, and this means that there are natural gender roles. Again, these roles are not concrete. They're, they're a little, you know, there's a framework there, and we can decorate it however we like, and we can put two different people in a relationship together that, are, that go together and don't seem orthodox. Like that, That's doable. But the modern world has muddied the water so much with technology and comfort and safety and convenience and all of that, that it's easy to lose track of the reality that there are actually gender roles. And they do matter. And they don't just matter whenever we're in survival mode as a species. I hear some people say that. One of my buddies told me, he goes, well, we needed those gender roles whenever we were, when we were in survival mode as a species, like hunter-gatherers, whatever. I'm like, bro, we, we evolved this way. We've always been this way. Traditional gender roles were the only roles that existed until the modern world in the last 30 fucking years, like until computers and air conditioning and security alarms and, you know, all of this other shit and zoom meetings changed the way that the world fundamentally could function. Like these were the roles and they still are in underdeveloped or tribal uh, cultures around the world today. So You know, if we've evolved to be this way over a million years or whatever, 30 or 40 or 50 years of of change does not breed that out of us, and we can't afford to just ignore our own nature, like we already talked about. I also believe that the modern world is a weird, tough place for men, especially young men, something that I believe. I think it's a weird time to be a young man. It's a confusing time to be a young man because you could be a woman. Who knows? maybe you're a maybe you're a he-she. maybe you're a jur. we don't know it's confusing you got to have these conversations that's fucking wild um yeah men are told that all of our traits are bad and toxic and aggression is i mean assertiveness is aggression and it's another one of those scales you can be assertive if you're too assertive that's aggressive but if you're you know tolerant you go too far then you're a recessive weakling left right balance i believe that men should be strong mentally physically and spiritually or emotionally if you want to look at it that way i believe that men should be strong and that women should be flexible rigidity versus fluidity i believe that women are the most precious things on earth and they should be protected at all costs for lots of reasons but none more than the fact that women are the divine bringers of life for our species we would not have people if it weren't for women and i think that carrying a baby inside of your body. And growing it and feeding it, and letting it live off of you for nine months, and then going through the pains of childbearing, and then raising that baby to be a boy and that boy into being a young man. I think it's the most it's, I don't think I mean it's like objectively the most important fucking job in the human species. But somehow feminists, modern feminists and modern science and all these guys, they've got us convinced that uh, that, that, that women are not sacred, they're not amazing, they're not miracles in flesh and uh i would share andrew tate's disdain for that viewpoint i think that it's toxic it's demonic it is anti-nature and anti-science to believe that way and i think that we need to pick up our torches and defend our women because the devil's out to get them society's out to get them feminists are out to get them i hope you guys are having fun Um. I'm going to run through this. Yeah, so tape messages. So so I believe that family is a beautiful thing. Having kids is a beautiful thing. I believe nothing is more rewarding. I believe that hard work is a must for men to be healthy. That is a fact. Men must work hard and overcome challenge to be healthy, to produce testosterone, to reduce cortisol, to have a sense of accomplishment. Men must do hard things. It is a fact. Men who don't do hard things cannot feel accomplished. And a man who doesn't feel accomplished is an unhealthy man. I believe the world needs strong, godly men. Not just that men should be strong and godly, I believe that they actually are needed by the modern world. I believe every tribe needs their men, every community needs their men, and the modern world needs men. We need strong, godly men. What do I mean by godly? I mean people who understand the natural order of things and follow it, people who revere and, and acknowledge and live out natural order the logos, if you will, whatever you want to call it, the way that things are, fucking human nature, being godly, being a good person, integrity. And last but not least, the thing that I agree with Andrew Tate the most, and I just, I fucking randomly just jotted down some things, but this one's a big one, is I do believe that there's an obvious influence of evil in the modern world. I just say, you know, the devil, whatever. But it's evil. It's evil energy. Just like being godly means to 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 act and live in accordance with natural law, like men are men, women are women. All people should be treated with dignity and respect. We shouldn't kill each other. We shouldn't steal from each other, whatever. These things that existed long before the Ten Commandments, people always got this. There's a natural order to things. That's that's sort of God's plan in my view natural order. That's the same as saying God's will or God's plan, right? Because there is order to all of this. We'll talk about that in other episodes, I'm sure. Trust me for now. So if that's God's plan, and that's God's will, and you're living a godly life by living in accordance with nature, then what the fuck is this world being run by? It ain't God. Cutting the dicks off of little boys and cutting the tits off little girls and the politicians are falling asleep on camera. This is a lady the other day, one of our senators or something like that, signed her power of attorney over to her adult daughter because she's not capable of taking care of herself and she's a fucking senator a congresswoman. She's like 90 years old or something. Like we live in the upside down. The news lies nonstop. And they lie to create confusion and division. And just like we talked about duality so much in this in this episode, god and the devil or good and evil if you want to call it that. Or natural order and um not natural order, artificial order, whatever, Um, whatever sits best with you theologically. I don't know. Not my business. But God has a certain list of principles, and the devil has the opposing principles. And you can look at God like it's love, light, truth, life, unity, understanding, and wellness. And then you can look on the other side of that like it's two columns next to each other, and the devil is... Fear, darkness, suspicion, division, and sickness, so on and so forth. You understand? Again, this is the light and the dark, the yin and the yang, whatever you want to call it. So when you look at the news these days, what do you see? Do you see love, light, truth, unity, understanding, any of that? Or do you see fear, darkness, lies, division, suspicion, sickness, more fear, more lies, more division? So when you understand those fundamental principles of, of, of good and evil, of God and the devil, You can see it at work everywhere. When you just simplify God and the devil or good and evil down to those principles, and you say, Would I rather have a life that was full of love, life, truth, unity, understanding, forgiveness, wellness, or fear, darkness, lies, suspicion, division, sickness? Just on those, which life would you rather live? Which energy would you rather have in control of your life, your family, your community, and your world? Your, your political system, your, your media system, your entertainment system, all these different institutions that exist, when you put those two columns of character traits up against just about any institution in Western society, it becomes very clear that it's not God that is uh, running the show right now, or at least godliness, right? The, a lot of those godly qualities are... Uh, Pretty much all of those are missing from our major institutions completely. And I think that we live at a really interesting time in history. I mean, a really, really specifically special crossroads in history where there's a culmination of a lot of factors that are coming together. And I won't get into all of that right now, but I will just say that it's a really important time for masculine role models to step forward, for real, true feminine role models to step forward. I don't mean feminist, I mean feminine and masculine role models. People who understand the order of things, who understand that there are things that nature has provided us, characteristics and traits and orders and laws, and that the further we stray from those things, the more trouble we're going to get into. And at this time, we're going to see the rise of a lot of guides and teachers and coaches of all kinds. And we're not going to agree with the entire message of any of them. If I went back and read everything Jesus said, I probably wouldn't agree with everything he said either. And even if he was real, and even if he was perfect, they still crucified him and fucked up his message. (laughs) Uh, Nobody's safe, man. Nobody's safe. If you tell the truth, they're going to crucify you. And it's worth pointing out that of all of the people in the world that are on the big stage talking to mass amounts of people, there's really only one that stands out in some particular historically significant ways. And what do I mean by that? Well, there have been people in in history who were killed for telling the truth. Socrates, Galileo, who was the other guy from the Renaissance? Probably a few of them. They really didn't like the truth during during the Spanish Inquisition or whatever that was. I don't know. I'm not an expert on Renaissance history either. But anyway, my point is, just like people have been killed for telling the truth in the past, uh, are crucified, which we use as a sort of a synonym for getting canceled these days. Ah, they're going to crucify that guy for saying that. They don't mean it literally. It's a metaphor or analogy or oh, wh- whatever. But we live at a time where you're going to find people like Andrew Tate or Jordan Peterson or Joe Rogan who just by telling the truth they they upset the established order of things the status quo because the status quo is messed up and we all know that we have a president that can't put a sentence together i watched a video with him confessing in front of a room full of delegates from all over the world that he has Sold state secrets. I watched Joe Biden say that in a big public televised setting in a room full of delegates from around the world. And everybody looked at him like, what is this dementiated fuck saying right now? And it just got glazed over. There's so much I'm not even going to get into that we all know is going on in the world that proves that things are really messed up. But unlike a lot of people, I am absolutely hopeful. Absolutely hopeful because when we see them when you understand these things right again look at look down the the columns of character traits of good and evil god and the devil whatever you want to call it good society versus failed society happy life versus shitty life you can see the tide turning and the fact that we have a jordan peterson for people to attack means that we have somebody there who's speaking the truth as they see it for us to listen to freely and make decisions as uh, thinking adults and then to pass that on to our kids as we see fit. We have people like Joe Rogan giving a mouthpiece to lots of people with views that are not necessarily good for the establishment. You got people like Andrew Tate. This is a guy who understands how the world works. Nobody really seems to dispute that. We live at a time where these kinds of people are standing up and Elon Musk is another one. You know, People don't really understand. That guy bought Twitter, man. It's a free speech platform, at least the freest speech that we have available. It's the only thing resembling free speech that fucking exists on this planet is Twitter. Think about that. That's how controlled by the devil all of our shit is. That Twitter is the only social media or media outlet on the planet that's actually free speech, that actually lets people say things. Maybe Spotify to an extent. I still don't understand why they took my shit down. But anyway, it's a special time to be alive. And I don't think that we can afford to be crucifying every single leader and teacher and guide that pops up during this crucial time in history because we don't like 30% of what they say or we don't like something they, they did 10 years ago or something like that when these people are obviously not the same people they were 10 years ago. I think it's a time where we need to start trying to build bridges and understand why Jordan Peterson resonates with young men. Why does Andrew Tate, why why do people like Joe Rogan? Now is the time to try to understand these things better. Because if we don't, we're just going to sit here and let these guys get crucified and let the the establishment take them out and let the, the masses beat them down or burn them down or nail them to a cross. Because, see, Jesus was, was a symbol of something. And I'm not saying he wasn't real. Don't take it that way. But, I mean, every person, every great person is a symbol of something. Hitler was a symbol of something. Alexander the Great was a symbol of something. And Jesus was a symbol of something. He, Jesus was a guy, either in narrative or in history, whichever you, it doesn't matter. This is a guy who was the embodiment of truth to his followers. He was the embodiment of truth, and he knew that they were going to kill him for it. And he had a divine calling on his life that he couldn't and wouldn't run from.
0: When it comes to Andrew Tate, he's no Jesus, no doubt about that. But he did call it three
1: steps in advance, a year and a half ago at least, where he said, well, what they're going to do because he knows how the world works. He said, first of all, they're going to cancel all of my social media. They're going to shut me down and cancel me because I'm dangerous because I'm reaching a lot of young men and I'm strengthening young men. And that's not good for the bad guys. So they're going to cancel my social media. Then they're going to try to ruin my reputation. And then they're going to jail me for some bullshit reason. And if none of that works, then they're going to kill me. That's what they're going to do. And so far, he's been right every step of the way. And it's not just Andrew Tate that realizes that. If you know how people, how, these, uh, how the bad guys treat people when they pop up with the truth, it's the same playbook throughout history. It's always been that way. It's interesting to me that Andrew Tate is the one guy who's that dangerous. They didn't try to throw Jordan Peterson in jail. They didn't even cancel his social media. Might have removed a podcast or two. I think the fact that they've made such a target out of Andrew Tate to me indicates that his message, his reach, and his impact are so great that they'll do anything and everything they can to shut him up. And on that premise alone, he's got my interest and he's got my attention and for a dude like that who has a billion dollars whatever hundreds of millions of dollars all the things that you could ever want in life all the friendships and all of the all the money and all of the the happiness and all of the joy he does seem to be a very joyful happy person phenomenal relationship with his brother speaks very highly of his father who's passed away surrounded with people who love him clearly because not one person in his entire life turned over out of the thousands that they interrogated over his case. So this guy's got it all. He could ride off into the sunset in his Bugatti with his supermodels and his brother and leave us all behind. But like other people in, in history, he comes at a time where he sees that the global problem is so great and that the devil itself is behind the problems at every level. And that he has the platform and the means and the resources and the intellect and the charisma and whatever else it takes for him to reach a ton of people with truth as he sees it.
0: And he continues to bring that truth in the face of imprisonment, the cancellation of his
1: entire life and the ruining of his reputation, and even with
0: the belief that if none of this works, they're going to kill him. He won't stop. And for that, he's got my respect. I think we need a lot more men like
1: Andrew Tate. A lot more young men growing up that don't get into drugs. That don't have a criminal record. Which he didn't until uh, (laughs) he got arrested over this uh, obviously nonsense situation. That I'm sure will get cleared up in the Romanian court system soon. More men like that hardworking, successful, tough, strong, funny, charismatic, everyone loves him, no criminal record, no drugs, motivated, wants to change the world, and has enough integrity and and sense of purpose that he won't stop doing what God called him to do, even if they're going to kill him. That's the kind of backbone a man should have.
0: You may not like everything that he does, or has done, has said, I don't either. Pretty sure he doesn't. But I believe that at the moment, we don't have much better to fill his shoes with. I'm
1: thankful that we have him. I'm thankful that we have Jordan Peterson. He's affected so many millions of people's lives. And I hope that we have some more of these guys that come to the top, that have all the things they need, that special recipe to reach lots of people with the truth. And in the meantime, I hope that we can all be a little bit more open minded, a little more discerning, a little more nuanced in our views of people and have a little bit more awareness and integrity of our own values and a little more awareness and concern for what's going on in the world at large
0: and with the people in it, particularly our young men. Because if the problems are as broad and as deep as Andrew Tate says, we have our work cut out for us.
1: And we're not going to get to the other side to greener pastures unless we have strong men to carry us there. So let's be strong men. Let's raise strong men. Let's build communities and families and personal lives and all of that that are rooted in truth and godliness and virtue. And it's the strong men that we'll be able to lean on whenever we're sick of this shit. I appreciate you guys sticking around for so long. This is um, this has been super cool to share with you. I did this all in one shot with one little five-minute fresh air break. It's been a long time being on the microphone talking this much, um, but it's great to be back. And we have a lot more good stuff coming for you now that the floodgates are open. I'll keep them coming steady. So thank you guys so much. Please do uh, like, share, and subscribe if you got something from this and you want to share it with people. And uh, comments are really helpful, apparently, if you put comments in whatever platform you're listening to this on, if you're listening to it on, on Apple Podcasts or whatever. Throw us a review and a podcast. I mean, a review and a, uh, and a, um, a rating. Comment. What the fuck? Yeah. Throw it. <laughs> dude, it's so late. It's like 12.50 my time. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Do that. I love you all so much. Um, thank you for everyone reaching out and asking when we were going to get this going again. I'm trying to get JC locked in for a little comeback podcast here soon. But uh, he's a busy man. And uh, he sends his best to all you guys. So uh, we love you all. I appreciate you all. I hope everyone's doing very well. Um, always feel free to reach out to me. You can still find me on uh, Wayfinder Podcast on Instagram. And uh, yeah, that's about that. So on that note, I'm going to sign off. Feels crazy to say this again, but may the light be upon you. May peace be within you. And may you be a son on the
0: paths of all men. Take care, guys. We'll see you next time.